You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Christmas series is called Peace is Born, and we're going to talk quite a bit in the next couple weeks about peace because we live in a pretty anxious culture, don't we? Anxiety is something that we're fully aware of. Anxiety is something that happens to us during holidays. It happens to us during sporting events. It happens to us all the time. And we are an anxious, anxious people. In fact, when it comes to your need and my need for regular rest, our culture is kind of messed up. Because you and I need regular rest, but what often happens is you and I are depending on the federal holiday calendar for the rest that we need. And that's just messed up, right? You can't wait that long. You can't wait till Thanksgiving. You can't wait till Christmas. You can't wait till a day off to finally get rest. God has instituted for our lives that we have a regular rhythm of rest, and it's called Sunday. That the time we pause, when we consider God, when we take some respite in our lives to be able to rest. And in fact, most holidays right now are anything but restful, right? I mean, some of you have just, you know, your back has just come back in line after setting up Christmas decorations or lights. And some of you are just thankful to God today, not for Thanksgiving, but because your, your significant other didn't fall off the roof when they were hanging lights. You're just thankful in that way. And I got to let you know that God has determined that really we can't wait on the holidays to rest. We need a better rhythm of rest. In fact, most holidays have transitioned from rest to stressed. Most holidays have moved from being a ton of celebration about all sorts of things to being a ton of expectations that you're just trying to fulfill and you feel like you barely get there. I can't help but think that life is not supposed to be this way, that there must be something more, that there's better at hand. I can't but help but think that it's supposed to be a little bit better. In fact, for Christians, according to scripture, Thanksgiving is supposed to be every day. That we're to give thanks in all circumstances. So Thanksgiving is not a once a year. It's something we do every day. In fact, for Christians, Easter is not a once a year. Easter is to be every Sunday. That every Sunday we celebrate. In fact, we worship a risen Lord who's not only risen, but is coming back again. That's what we do every weekend. We worship that Lord every weekend. It's supposed to be all the time on a regular cycle. And then Christmas. It's that once a year celebration of Jesus' birth. But it's become a confusing blend of cultural consumerism and religious devotion. And people aren't sure what to do with it. Like, am I allowed to say Merry Christmas? Am I not? Do I, you know, how does that, what is happy holidays and what are holidays supposed to be? Like, we're confused in our culture about it. And confusion brings with it anxiety. For Christians, however, it's an opportunity to bring the conversation back. To bring the conversation back to the birth of history's most awesome figure, Jesus Christ. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes this. He says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. In the scope of eternity, in the scope of history, at the right moment, at the right time, not early, but just enough, just on time, Jesus, God become flesh, came to earth and was born, born of a woman, born under the law. The birth of Jesus, Christmas, is the annual reminder of God becoming flesh with the agenda of sacrificing himself on a cross to rescue you and me from our sins. How many people around you actually know that? How many kids around you actually know that? That that's what Christmas 
means. So for us, it's an opportunity to bring the conversation back, to bring it back around to where it really belongs, to bring it back, and, and we get anxious when we don't have the right ideas about holidays. We get anxious when we don't have the right information, and it's beautiful because when we look at probably the most detailed account of Jesus' birth in the book of Luke, we find out that the author, Luke, has written a very detailed account, and right up front, he tells us why. Why is he writing the book of Luke, and later, why is he writing the book of Acts? In fact, if you combine the two together, the book of Luke and the book of Acts is per capita, it is more words in there than all of the Pauline writings. So one of the most prolific writers of the Bible was this author, Luke, and he was a detail guy. And he wants to tell us why. Why am I gonna write this detailed account of the actual events that happened when Jesus was born? And he tells us right at the beginning, Luke 1, verse 1, it says this, if you have your Bible open to Luke 1, we'll spend the rest of our time there. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. How many of us, we need to know, again, we need to know the certainty of the things we've been taught, and our culture's largely not been taught on this subject, but we need to know with certainty. Why? Because certainty minimizes anxiety. Certainty can bring a degree of peace, can't it? We long for certainty. I just want to know. Sometimes you get in a relational conflict, and you just want to, you're like, I don't, if it, if it happens, if it doesn't, I just need to know. You get impatient. You just want an end to the conflict because being uncertain is too painful. You want to define the relationship. Future, fears, overwhelming pressures all bring anxiety. And this time of year is no exception. In fact, anxiety is the most common mental health uh, disorder in the United States, affecting nearly one-third of adolescents and adults. According to the Harvard Medical School, they say it's about a third. Anxiety is often seen as a serious problem, sometimes more full-blown uh, full problem than depression. But I want you to write this down. Average people can become anxious people. Average people can become anxious people. You're not exempt, nor am I. Anxiety is one of the biggest problems in our nation. It's one of the biggest problems in our culture right now. According to a higher education research institute at UCLA, they did a study in 1985, a long time ago they did a study, and they found out that 18% of college students said all the work that they had to do the year before, they were completely overwhelmed by it. So of all the students, 100% of students, only 18% were like, yeah, yeah, we were completely overwhelmed. They did the study again in 2010. That study said 29% of students said we were completely overwhelmed by all we had to do in the previous year. And they're not talking about the workload, they're just talking about life load. However, from 2010 to last year, that number skyrocketed to 41% of students said I'm completely overwhelmed by all that I had to get done last year. We do not have the ability so often anymore to cope with all that is in front of us and all that is happening around us. People are overwhelmed, overcommitted, 
overexposed by all the social media and everything else, and we are sometimes overprotected. We've not learned the skills that we need to learn to do the things that we need to do or that are expected of us. And you would think that protection is a good thing, but being overprotected actually can raise anxiety because you've not given people coping skills. Common symptoms of anxiety include social withdrawal or isolation, anger, extreme impatience, obsession with your phone, napping or sleeping far more than usual, escalating mood swings, isolation or clinging, that need to be with others all the time, self-harm for some, substance abuse, You can feel helpless and hopeless. You can neglect your personal hygiene, just normal things like taking a shower. You can have sudden weight gain or loss. And I know some of you are thinking, all that sounds pretty close to pregnancy. (laughs) It's like, what's the big deal? You know, you just picture Joseph, right? Let's see, social withdrawal and isolation. Mm -hmm. She's been doing some of that. You can see uh, Joseph looking at napping or sleeping more often than usual. Yeah, Mary's, Mary's been doing that. You can see needing to be with others. Yeah, she ran off for like three months and went to be with her, her elderly cousin Elizabeth in another town. She definitely did that. And then sudden weight gain. He got, could it be pregnancy? Like he's wondering, like, there may be something going on here, right? So often we look at different things like that. Let me tell you, unexpected pregnancy will really bring some anxiety to your engagement. There's no shortcut around it. It definitely would. And that's what they're facing. And let me tell you, I can't help but think it's not supposed to be this way. And one of the best places to look on how to handle anxiety is at a teenager named Mary and her fiance named Joseph in the first century. Their example in the face of stressful and anxiety circumstances will point us to the peace that we are longing for. And here's why you need this sermon. God's word is going to argue for a calm, common sense approach to the problem of stress and anxiety. You're going to find out what they found. You're going to find out that peace is a person. Peace is a person. Open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So picture this. 
Here's Mary, and I love what it says. This angel shows up, and she's troubled by his words. Apparently, she's not troubled by the shining guy who shows up, like just, you know, she's alone by herself, and also some dude shows up, and she's like, she's not troubled by him, she's troubled by his words. <laughs> what are the words that you're saying to me? Like, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And, and at that moment, the angel, who's the delivery operative, the messenger from God, says, this is what God's plan is, that in you is going to become the God child born of God and of a woman, not a father and mother in the normal way. Otherwise, he would have a sin nature like you and me. But he's gonna be the God man, the only one that ever existed. He'll be completely free from sin. He will never sin, but he will take upon himself our sins so that we could receive the righteousness that was his. Unfair trade, but a beautiful agenda from God to bring peace. Peace is a person, so what does she do? I want to point out that this was not some ancient, you know, mythology that somehow the gods impregnated the virgin and that she didn't have any choice in the matter. The reality is she said, no, let God's will be done in me. In other words, I want to allow all that God wants to do in me and through me to happen to the glory of God. So this teenager says, this is really inconvenient. She didn't come back and go, you know, I actually have a wedding date on the calendar, and I actually, I've already had my dress fitted. That's really going to have to go back and redo that. I mean, she could have come up with all sorts of excuses. These are anxious circumstances. Anxious to have some guy just show up in your, wherever she is. Doesn't tell us where she is. But to show up, and instead, she has a moment where she's like, okay, if that's God's agenda, if that's God planned, it was unexpected by me. But let's go with that. Write this down. When anxiety strikes, find peace through margin. Peace through margin. What is margin? Margin is setting aside specific time where you're able to regroup time in your day to create space. Margin is that time where you and I remove noise and clutter during those portions of time. Why do we come and gather as a church and we together, all of us, we're looking at God's word and we're slowing down with the first day of the week, Sunday. We take the first portion of the first day of the week and we sit down and we gather and we listen to God's word and we sing our praises to the Lord. What are we doing right here? We're creating space. We're creating margin in our lives. If you look at church as a performance, if you look at church as an expectation, you don't understand the rhythm that God wants in your life. That what are we doing right now? We're creating margin so you schedule portions of your day to create space. You intentionally experience solitude, quietness, simplicity. Take control of your day instead of you being at the mercy of the busyness of your day. You must intentionally unplug to create margin. Well, what does Mary do? She gets this word from the Lord and she immediately does something next. She just got the word from the Lord. What's she going to do? She needs margin in her life. So watch what the scriptures say. She didn't wait. In Luke 1 verse 39 says, at that time, did she wait? No. Verse 38 was, may it be done to me as you have said. 39 is, at that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. This is her cousin. Her cousin is very elderly. Her cousin is past a childbearing age. They're cousins, but their age couldn't be more different. She's a teenager. Her cousin is elderly. And she enters her home at that time, goes to stay with her. God's doing a miracle in both ladies. 
Verse 40, she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So what does she do? She gets up, Mary gets up, she goes away, and she gets some margin in her life. She spends some time with her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is having a miraculous conception of who would become the John the Baptist. And so we see right away that it's this beautiful picture that these two ladies are able to walk and see what God is going to do. He's done something miraculous. Isn't it beautiful that God in the life of Mary would give him somebody who's just that next step ahead of him? That, that she could see her cousin Elizabeth, who's past the childbearing years, being six months pregnant. That, that God is doing a miracle there. In fact, that birth is going to happen before her birth. But she's going to be able to witness what is going on here. Write this down. When anxiety strikes, minimize distractions and focus on mindfulness. On mindfulness. Mindfulness is the basic human ability to be fully present, aware of where we are and what we're doing, not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. It means exchanging all of our multitasking for monotasking. It's one task, one thought at a time. It includes putting down all the juggling plates for a bit. It's about embracing the beauty of one thing. And mindfulness, in fact, mindfulness works like medicine for millions of people. I don't know if you're aware of that. But the ability when you're anxious to be able to become mindful and to become present in the moment works like medicine for millions of people. It offers perspective and it focuses you on what is really most important. So it's not merely a sense of inner stillness or inner peace. You're not sitting there like, like meditating and being like, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. That's not what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is slowing down. It's where we become present with the activity, with the relationship, with the moment, because that's where the good stuff is. And by good stuff, I mean that's where the real stuff is that we really long for and by real stuff I mean that's where our connection to God and ourselves and others is the reason we learn to become present is so that we can become aware of what is God doing in me what does God want to do through me what is God inviting me into I need to notice and acknowledge what's going on on the inside for me what's going on the inside for you we are being invited we're being guided nurtured and what experiences are forming in us being who God wants us to be that he wants to do what he wants to do in us so he can do what he wants to do through us and are we going to allow him to do that are we going to allow God to do all he wants to do in us and so often we're like I'm anxious God please remove the circumstances of my anxiety and maybe sometimes God is helping us to see because we haven't had eyes to see that maybe there's an invitation there. Maybe in our anxiety, that's the moment that God's saying, come to me, you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. 
but you got to create margin. And you got to slow down and start to be present with God in that moment. How you know what an invitation to peace is unless you've trained yourself to listen. And listening takes time. And listening takes slowing down and being present. So the beautiful thing is this, that you and I get this moment in the scripture here. We've seen Mary take some margin in her life. We've seen her become mindful in her life in just some different ways. And it's, it's so beautiful uh, of what she's able to experience. But it's great because all of a sudden, we're talking in the scripture about what was happening to Mary and what she was doing. And we see what was happening to Elizabeth and what she was doing. But we get this beautiful glimpse into Mary, this prayer that she says, because it gives us a glimpse to crawl inside her head and see what she was thinking. What was she thinking in this moment? So we get to crawl inside her mind and see what was going on as she's spending time with her cousin. What is Mary choosing to focus on? If she's being mindful, what is she being mindful of? And so look with me at verse 46 of chapter 1 of Luke. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Let me pause right there. When Mary slows down and creates margin in her life, when Mary becomes mindful, she discovers something. That when she becomes mindful, she becomes aware that God has been mindful of her. She's slowing down to be mindful of God, but in her discovery, she finds out that God has been mindful of her. Who is she that God would consider her? Who are you that God would consider you? Who are you that God would call you to himself? That the God of the universe, that busy God, that God who, who's able to do amazing things, that he would care about you. Who are you? That God is mindful of you. Well, sometimes we run ahead and we become very mindful of ourselves and we forget that God has favored us, that God is mindful of us. She says this, verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on. All generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be mindful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors." And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. If Elizabeth was pregnant for six months and Mary stayed for three, basically right before delivery, she would have left at that time. But she would have watched the process. Isn't it beautiful that Mary begins as we look inside her mind, we begin to see what she is focusing on. People who believe that they're in charge of their own fate are less likely to become anxious or depressed than those who believe they are victims of circumstances beyond their control. It would tell us that people who believe I'm in control of my own fate, that they're much likely less 
prone to anxiety and depression than those who just think, oh great, another thing happened, and then another thing happened, and another bad circumstance happened, and I'm just carried along like a victim to all the circumstances around me. At that moment, I am more prone to anxiety, I am more prone to depression than any other time. But people who have a sense that God has been mindful of me in anxious circumstances, and God wants to do something Those are the people who find hope in otherwise anxious circumstances. When anxiety strikes, focus your thinking that the all-powerful God has empowered you. So what are we to create margin for? What are we to be mindful of? In our mindfulness, we find out that an all-powerful God has empowered you. You are not a victim. Your circumstances are not without meaning. You are not hopeless and you are not helpless. You do not need to turn toward self-mutilation or self-harm to try to find relief, but that you'll find that peace is not a destination. Peace is a person. And we look at Mary and his beautiful, he declares that the all-powerful God, the one who deposes leaders, the one who humbles nations, the one who opposes the proud, has empowered her in the midst of anxious circumstances. When we crawl inside Mary's head and we say, what was this teenager thinking of to find peace in anxious circumstances? We find out that she focused on an all-powerful God who has empowered her. Listen to me, metacognition when done right, acknowledges that God has a plan and a purpose and has given you all that you need for a godly life, even in troubling times, even in anxious circumstances. You are not alone, you are not a victim, and you are not orphaned. God is mindful of you right now. God is mindful of what's ahead of you. God is mindful of you in your circumstances. God has favored you, and he is mindful of all that's going on to you with you, in you, and around you. He loves you. And he has empowered you to do beyond what you could ask or imagine. You are empowered to receive help from God and play a part in his kingdom's plan for his glory, not your own. You know what Mary says? She says, exalted be his name. Mary never wanted to make a name for herself. She never wanted to be remembered more than others in the history of the world. She wanted to be remembered that his name is great, that God's name is great, that as we look inside her thoughts, that she is just, she says, holy is his name. She's focused on one name, the name of Almighty God. It's a beautiful thing. Well, today is an invitation to peace to be fully present right here, right now. As we take the first Sunday of the month and we take time to celebrate the sacrament of communion that we've been commanded to because we're reminded that peace is not something that happened simply in the past, but peace is something that's coming back, returning again. Peace is a person. It's Jesus Christ that only through his sacrifice on the cross are we forgiven of sins. And we were commanded to remember that through the the cracker, through the Jews' common elements, nothing magical about them, but we're commanded through them to remember that there was a physical real sacrifice not a fiction but a real one and then secondly that there was a real blood that was poured out 
his blood, was offered willingly as a sacrificial servant, peace is born. And peace is a person. And so I'm going to ask, I want to invite you, will you take time today to be in this moment, right here, right now, not distracted by anything else, but be in this moment, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life, chances are there's some of you in this room who you've never experienced peace between you and God. You have never said, Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was done for me. And that if I believe what you did on the cross was done for me, if I give faith to that fact, then I can have eternal life. I can be washed clean of all my sins. I will be forgiven that peace will be made between me and a righteous and holy God. And it was you, that righteous and holy God, you initiated it. And I'm just receiving what you've already done. So if that's you today, if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to invite yourself into relationship with God who loves you, then pray a prayer right where you're seated, right after me. Pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you're God. I ask you to wash me as white as snow. Forgive me for all that I've done wrong. Would you create in me a new creation on the inside? I want to have relationship with you. So today, Jesus, I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.